announcement. That was free. You don't have to pay anything for that. Now, belly up. Here we go. We have been in a series in the Gospel of John. We are in now chapter 20. We are approaching the very end of this great book of the Bible. I am mourning leaving this. We're going to end right around uh, September. The beginning of September. And we are in a very exciting spot. Let me just bring you back to speed. If you weren't here last week, what happened last week? Last week, Cor talked about the resurrection of Jesus. And let me just, you, you, you kind of understand what's happening this week. You've got to kind of follow this. It says, early in the first day of the week, this is John chapter 20. If you want to open a Bible, we're going to spend the rest of our time in John. We're not going anywhere else. John chapter 20. On the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Now, the big, the big deal there, by the way, summer rules apply. If you need to get up, there's water back there, there's water upstairs, get some, that's fine. Um, she, was, she waited the Sabbath. She didn't go during the Saturday, which was a holy day. She went on Sunday early in the morning to finish the job that uh, Joseph and Nicodemus had done, started to do on Jesus with the spices and preparing him. She went. So she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, John, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started the tomb. Both ran. The other disciple outran Peter. It's like playing straight pool. He had to put that in there. Uh, reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying in there, but did not go in. Peter, when he gets there, arrives and goes all the way in the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Now, that's a curious phrase. Cor didn't have time. That, that's great. I talked with Cor about last week's message. I said, oh, man, you didn't do talk about this, 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 this. He said, I know. I left so much on the cutting room floor. One thing he didn't get a chance to talk at all about was this little phrase right here. It says, he saw and believed. Believed. But it says they didn't understand it. So what did they believe? Believed that he wasn't there, I guess. I, I, I'm not sure what they believed. Something's going on. But they're not sure even what yet. Here's what we know for a fact. Jesus Christ has died. Do you want to go to that one, Sonia? He's died. There's much lamentation about it. In the heavens, great rejoicing is happening because the Lamb, who's now worthy to open the scrolls, has been slain. Then, that's Friday, then on Sunday, we see there's an empty tomb. Christ is gone. Now, if you're making the movie, in fact, Mel Gibson did, this is where you end it. Right? It's the very end of the movie. He's gone. Actually, they show kind of a risen Christ looking really healthy, too, in that particular moment. And that's it, right? Isn't that it? Isn't that the end of the story? Here's this Christ. He has to go through all these things, and then he's going to die, and then he's, but he raised again. Isn't that the end of the story? What else does Jesus have to do? Now, this is not... I'm going to put these up here. Put the next one up there, Sonia. What are the two, or, or possibly three, things? Two are, are very theological and one's practical. This is not rhetorical, so correct answers will be rewarded. Negative answers will be escorted out by security. So, uh, what are the two, or possibly three, things that Jesus still has left to do? He died for sins. He rose. He rose there and... 
It's a done deal, right? What's left? Huh? It's got to start the two. That's, that's going to be uh, one of them. But you need quite, you're close. Well, at least, I, I made these categories up. Like, these are st- categories of Steve. So that's a scary place. The right answers reside right here and nowhere else, you know? Okay, what else? Who said it? Aha. Oh, very wise from a balcony. Uh, yes, he's got to show off. He's got to show himself as risen. Otherwise, it's like, hey, who took the body, right? He's got to show himself. In the Gospel of John, we're going to see in just a little bit, he shows himself off to three different groups. We're taking the next three weeks to show how in his ingenuity he does it. He could have just shown up, you know, like movie in the middle, middle of a movie theater and went, aha, see you later, that's it. It would have proven it, but that's not how he does it. We're going to look at these three things. Now, there's two other things you got to do. What else you got to do? Yes, but you're not quite right. That's the same as this one over here. He's going to give the Holy Spirit, but that's almost, what, what, what? How does he do it? How does he empower them? What does Jesus do? He breathes. What does he do, though? He leaves. Very good. He's got to ascend. He's got to take off. Now, the last one is he's got to start the church and all that. How does he do that, though? What's one of the big things that happens in the Gospel of John that doesn't happen anywhere else? Huh? John 21? Huh? 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 What's that? He reinstates Peter. Very good. So he reinstates Peter, which gets the whole church going, and he gives him the last commission and all that kind of thing. Yes, that whole, that whole thing about starting the church. Very good, you guys. Not bad. Not bad at all. All right. Now, we're spending three weeks, and we're going to look at three different groups of people that Jesus shows himself off to. It's just, in, it's just ingenious what he does. I hope you really enjoy these next three weeks. I, I have really enjoyed the first one. The first person that Jesus shows himself off to is not one of the disciples. It's not one of the religious rulers. Who is it? Mary. Famous paintings have been done about this. Of course, I don't know if she looked Elizabethan. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, painting, sometimes paintings actually mess with your mind, you know? Like this next one right here, it shows, uh, this is a very famous painting. Jesus showed himself, and he was carrying a cross and a flag. I don't think so. But, I'm sure, I'm sure it's symbolic of something, but I don't have time to try to figure it out. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, Jesus shows himself off to Mary Magdalene. Let's take a look at this. We're going to look at verses 10 to 18 here in the rest of our time. It says, Then the disciples went back to their homes. Remember, they come running. Peter and John come running. They check it out. They believe. They're not sure what they believe. And they go back. They kind of saunter back home. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Mary, outside the tomb, crying. Professor Plum, with the candlestick, in the ballroom. Got to put these pieces together. Mary stays outside, not inside. Hmm. Crying, not rejoicing. Hmm, what is going on? 
Who is Mary Magdalene? By the way, Magdalene is just a fancy, uh, it's just a fancy phrase. If you're from Wisconsin, you'd say Wisconsin or, what do you, cheesehead or, it's a, it's a phrase that you'd use, it's a a Magdalia is the place. So, that's just how she got it. Who is this person? Let's look at Luke. I lied. I said we're only going to be in chapter 20. I lied. We're in Luke. (laughs) More scripture. He talked too much about the Bible today. I don't like it at all. Just too much Bible. Anyway, John, Luke chapter 8. Who's Mary? Uh, just Here she comes. After this, Jesus traveled from, about from town to town, town to village. One another proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven, seven demons had come up. Joanna, the wife of Chusa. That's an awesome wife of Chusa. How'd you like to be Chusa? The manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. There are three things we can get, at least from this. Four, excuse me. We're going to get one more from a different passage. Three things from this one. Number one, she's a woman. Obvious. May seem real obvious. But wait a minute. In that culture, this was a huge deal. Huge deal. Metzger, Brutz Metzger uh, says this. uh, During the second temple period, that means the time after uh, Nehemiah and Ezra in the Old Testament when they built the second temple, from that period on up until around the first, second century, during that period, women were not allowed to testify in court trials. They could not go out into public or talk to strangers. When outside of their homes, they were to be doubly veiled. (whistles) Doubly veiled. Is that in case the first veil breaks or something or what? They had become second-class Jews, excluded from the worship and teaching of God, with status scarcely above that of slaves. Now, that was what was in the written code. You can do some more research on this than I did. Was that what was actually practiced? There's some very, very prominent women in this period of time. So, it's kind of, you know, it's a generalization to say that's the way everybody thought. But it was in the written code. I don't want to be unfair to this. So, But it is significant that she's a woman. She could not testify in... In court. Second thing, she is someone who seven demons had come out of. Seven demons. We're talking party girl. I mean, can you imagine a person who has been controlled by, and I don't know what they were. I have no idea. Scripture doesn't tell us. People have pushed this to say she was a prostitute. She was a lot of, uh, you know, we don't know. It doesn't tell us exactly. But you got to know this. Someone who had seven demons. Seven. Demonic influences directly impacting her. She was all over the map. So she would not be someone who you would think as a nice person before she met Christ. She was over the top. She was out of control. Whatever those demonic influences were. Third thing you can um, get from this is she was an ardent follower of Jesus. Why? She was given him. Those women were supporting Christ's ministry financially. Matter of fact, they're the only ones that. Everett's talked about where Jesus raises money from. I mean, I don't know if he asked or not, doesn't say, but the women are the only ones supporting him. So she was an ardent follower of Jesus Christ. Now, one more quick passage here from John chapter 19, which we saw just a couple weeks ago. It says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Now, it's very significant to understand something there. If you stood at the cross and were heaping curses, throwing rotten food, perhaps even striking those who were convicted of sedition, which is treason, you yourself could be crucified. This person, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, these women, and there there were some men there too. We saw John was there, a few others. 
Gutsy. That's a gutsy move to show up at the crucifixion. Okay, so this is who Mary is. Here we go. Second part of verse 10. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, great question. Woman, why are you crying? Isn't that a great question? Now, I don't know how angels, you know, they must have 100,000 years or whatever to think up these questions. So Mary's going to be, she's going to be crying. What are we going to ask her? Dude, why don't we ask her why she's crying? It's a great question. Why are you crying? She says, they have taken my Lord away and I don't know where they have put him. Aha! Why is she outside? Why is she crying? Answer, I can't find what? The dead body of Jesus. She was the one I loved. She was the one who, he was the one I loved. He was the one I healed me of these seven demonic influences in my life. He changed the course of my entire existence and now he's dead and I can't find his body. I want to honor him in death and I can't do it. But Mary at this point is doubtful at best, unbelieving at worst. She does not believe he's risen from the dead. Where's the body? That's what she says. At this, she turned around. So she's, you got a picture. She looks in the tomb. She sees these angelic beings. She talks with them. And then she turns around and it says, she saw Jesus standing there. But, yet, but John makes it clear. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Now, that's tricky. How do you, how do you not recognize Jesus? Right? You're looking for the dead body of Jesus. But he's standing there. So some people have thought, because she's crying so much, her eyes were kind of watery and she couldn't make it out. Yeah, that's pretty lame. I mean, I think that's really lame. Right? I mean, if you're wiser that eyes are that bad, you just wipe them. And she says she did not recognize him. And this is, the, this is a little bit of the tricky thing. What do we know about Jesus when he was risen from the dead? We know this. You can touch him. He bears the marks of crucifixion. You can see his, his, at least the nail marks, perhaps not all of the beatings, but you can see his nail marks in his hands and his feet. He cooks fish. He does more than that. He even eats them. And he walks. So there's some element. He's like our bodies. But then there's other elements where the resurrected body is not like our bodies. He's not easily recognized. It doesn't just happen here. He, if you remember in Luke where he's walking with the two people on the road, they don't recognize him. He's, uh, he, he appears in a, in a locked room. The room is locked. Whoop! There's Jesus inside. Now you're saying, well, but he's Jesus. But he never did that before. Okay, Jesus didn't go around and whoop, 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 whoop. You know, he didn't do that. He kind of followed the laws of physics, Captain. You know, he, he pretty much did that. But in the resurrection now, he, he does this. The other thing is, he's somehow resurrected, and he just kind of gets resurrected through his grave clothes. They're still sitting there. So it's something different here. And, and Mary doesn't recognize him. So then Jesus, in his mastery, knowing who, that she's a woman, knowing that she is marginalized because of that, knowing that she's doubtful, that she's crying, knowing her background, all that she's been through, Sinner, you normally would say about Mary Magdalene. All that she's been through, in his mastery, how he's going to reveal himself to her is just beautiful. Watch this. Verse 18. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Doesn't let her answer. And then says, 
Who is it you're looking for? Jeez, that's, uh, I mean, it's kind of, I want to say it's kind of mean, because it's like, he knows the answer to this. Who are you looking for? I'm looking for the dead body of Jesus. And Jesus was like, say, well, how about, how about the live body of Jesus? How would that do? You know, it's almost like he's waiting for that answer. So Mary replies back, says, thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. At this point, Jesus says, I'm going to reveal myself. And he just looks at her, says to her, Mary. Calls her by her name. And it is enough. She turns towards him and cries out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher or She was recognizing him. It's an amazing reunion. And Jesus let her go along in this whole thing enough to meet her exactly where she was at. To let her work through those issues of doubt and unbelief. And he doesn't condemn her for it. Now, verse 17 is probably one of the most controversial verses in all the book of John. It's very controversial. I'm just going to give you a real brief overview of it, and I'm not going to get weighted down in all the controversy regarding it. Jesus says to her, she, she says, Rabbi, teacher, and you can just see the scene. What's she doing? She's hugging the sweet stuffing out of Jesus, right? That's what you'd see. You'd, you'd think it'd be that way. That's what's going in your mind's eye. And Jesus says this, Do not hold on to me, for I have not returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And this has puzzled people for a second. Why in the world would Jesus kind of play this tricksy thing with her and then say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, don't touch me. And and there's basically four, uh, there's lots of possibilities, there's four ones. Number one, there's some real funny ones too, but number one, it's that it's actually somebody messed up. And it really shouldn't say, instead of saying, do not touch me, it should say, go ahead, squeeze me, hold on to me. Like, there's, it's only a two-letter thing that could be mistranslated. They say it shouldn't be there. For I have not returned yet to the Father, and, and you can hold on to me now. Uh, there's no good textual evidence for that. Second possibility is that Jesus was saying, don't, don't physically touch me. I'm my, the resurrect, resurrected body, you shouldn't be touching resurrected people. Well, that's not true because what does he tell Thomas later on? Go ahead. You want to see? You have to. You want to touch the holes? Go do it. So you can't. It's okay to touch. Um. This is a unique one. It, it says, "Do not hold on to me." For and if you look at the word "for," they would say the rest of it's in parentheses, and it should go to the right next thing. Don't hold on to me because you're supposed to go tell other people about this. Uh, that's, okay, possible, but just weird. Why would John write it then? Why would even John put this there? <clears throat> I, I, like, uh, I like this one. I th- oh, no, 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 excuse me. Oh, gosh, this is the best one. This is the best one. Rudolf Bultmann, who was a famous German theologian who didn't believe in any miracles. He, but that was his presupposition when he looked at the Bible. There are no miracles. Everything, it's a closed universe. Miracles don't happen. Everything has to happen naturally. And not, now, therefore, we'll interpret the Bible. He says, this is proof the resurrection didn't happen. It's right here. Why? Don't hold on to me. Why? Because I'm going to prove, that would prove that I really wasn't raised. I'm either a ghost 
or I was uh, I really was just really sick, and now I'm in. I came out of the tomb, and I'm I'm better now. But if you hold on to me, you'll you'll find out the truth. Golly, that's a piece of work. So, um, here's here's the one that I I think uh, works really really well. In other words, what what the, Jesus is trying to say here, and I think this matches the data is. Don't hang on to me because for I'm leaving again. The, the, the resurrected Jesus will only be with you. It's don't, don't touch me. It's you can't cling on to me in this state. It's better for you that I leave and I will be leaving. D. Carson puts it this way. He says, stop touching uh, me for I have not yet ascended to my Father. I am not yet in the ascended state so you do not have to hang on to me as if I were about to disappear permanently. This is a time for joy and sharing the good news, not for clutching me as if I were some jealously guarded private dream come true. Stop clinging to me, but go and tell my disciples that I am in the process of ascending to my Father and your Father. And I, think that's a good, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Now, this is huge. Who's the first person Jesus shows up to? Mary. Who does she get to go tell? The apostles. Do you know what the word apostle means? Sent with a message. Sent with a commission. Look at this. Go and tell them what? The most important news in the world. The Christ has actually risen from the dead. You've seen him. Mary gets to be, if you look at the last verse, verse 18, the apostle to the apostles. The woman with seven demons, who knows what that manifests itself out to, gets to be the apostle to the apostles. It's huge. It's huge that Jesus would elevate women, would elevate people who are marginalized, would elevate people who have come from sinful backgrounds to that point where she gets to be the one to go tell everybody, I know you guys saw the strips of linen and it was kind of, you know, it was kind of weird. You know who he was? Dude, I saw him. He stood there. I thought he was the gardener. He said, Mary, I went rabbinite. I squeezed the stuffing out of him. He said, don't touch me. I still have four possibilities of that could be. I'm not sure yet. But um, he's alive, man. He gets to be the one. Or she gets to be the one, excuse me, that says that. It says in verse 18, Mary went to the disciples of the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Now, Jesus is amazing like that. Jesus is still amazing like that. It's one thing that that uh, amazes me is many of you in this room have met Jesus Christ personally. And you have met Jesus Christ personally in as unique a way as there are people in this room. Everybody's story of how they have come to Christ, how they have crossed that line, converted, whatever you want to call it, is so unique. It is unbelievably unique. So i got a question for you today. What would the risen Christ say to you today? You know what? He's still risen. Tomb is still empty. He's still alive. The Spirit of Christ is here. What would the risen Christ say to you? I don't know if you're marginalized or doubtful today or, or the things that Mary was. Came from a horrible background because of sinfluences in your life. I, I don't know what you're... What would the risen Christ say to you? And Jesus Christ is a master of answering you exactly where you're at. Doubt me? Try it. Ask Him. Whatever it is you're going through, like that verse that Coral read, pour out your hearts 
to Him. Psalm 62 says, why? For God is our refuge. Let's pray together. Jesus Christ, risen Christ, it is great to sit here and, and hear you announce it. I can just, I bet you, you you get tickled just every time this passage is read and how much joy it brought you to tell Mary. So Father, in this room today, there are about 300 Marys coming from different backgrounds and different ways. And Lord Jesus Christ, we want you to, to manifest yourself to us just like you did to Mary. Lord, some of us are going through struggles over things we've done and wondering if you'll forgive us. Jesus, would you give us the courage to take those out of the darkness, bring them into the light, and then be there like Mary and, and realize that you want a deep relationship with us, but not based on falsehood, but based on truth. Lord, if that's some of us in the room, would you give us the courage just to to let others know of what's going on in our lives. Jesus, some of us are right now going through major transition, and it is scary. So Jesus, would you be the Jesus of transition? Would you show yourself as a stable one to them? I don't know all the issues in the room, Lord. Some people here might, for the first time in their lives, understand that Jesus Christ could be their sin bearer, and they, they want to know you this morning. You meet them, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Christ, we want to worship you for all that you are. The risen Christ, the one who powerfully speaks and with that word does things in our hearts. So do that, we pray in Jesus' name.